This week on The Clubhouse, we continue our stadium series as we discuss our respective trips to Globe Life Stadium, formerly Rangers Ballpark in Arlington, the home of the Texas Rangers. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com tour to find out when he's coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every team and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a ball game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for you for our more regular episodes that we'll be dropping every couple of weeks or so. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. This week on the clubhouse, we've had some uh, some technical difficulties. Sorry, folks, you're uh, actually not going to be able to hear Anthony on this episode because we've recorded this episode twice so far uh, in two different parts of the country, once in Los Angeles and once in Chicago, and uh, both files got corrupted. Hooray, technology. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best here to try to recap uh, what Anthony and I talked about. So it's our stadium series, and it's uh, our episode about Globe Life Stadium in Texas, or uh, the ballpark at Arlington, Rangers Ballpark, uh, which is how I like to refer to it. It's a great ballpark, and uh, <laughs> you're going to hear me uh, in this episode talk about my first trip to this ballpark back in 2013. As well as uh, there's an interview with a lovely young lady named Lainey. She's a, a young girl who uh, I'm blanking exactly at this moment how old she was. She was nine, ten years old. She was she was a young girl who was at the game with her mom and her grandmother, and it was a really fun time chatting with her. Uh, you know, I'm really uh, bummed out that you can't listen to Anthony and I's discussion on Globe Life Stadium because he told a beautiful story about being at uh, Ranger Stadium on the anniversary of his mother's death. And uh, watching a ball game with his friend Kurt, who uh, he's brought up on the podcast a couple times before, and it's you know what when when Anthony's back uh, in New York, we'll try and have him tell that story again for the third time because, uh, like I said, he's he did it twice, and those are those uh, words of his are just kind of floating off into the ether. Uh, so sorry about that, folks. Uh, and to our new listeners who, who jumped on board from the Greg Proops episode, uh, I assure you this is not normally how we do things around here. But uh, what can I say? It happens. So if I remember correctly, Anthony really did enjoy Globe Life Stadium. He put it in his, uh, maybe not, as, as you all know, he's got these <laughs> these very, very interesting ways of, of breaking these down. It's it's middle upper tier, if I remember correctly. I think that is what he, he landed on, where he, he, he enjoyed it. And it's, he's, it's not quite upper tier, but it's, it's not uh, in the middle or, or at the bottom either. So it's kind of upper middle tier, whatever that means. Uh, we all love Anthony and his, his wonderful grading system system for these ballparks. 
So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we also mentioned the food. Uh, there, there's always so much crazy food at uh, Rangers Ballpark. They've got the boomstick, which I explained to Anthony, and he, as a vegetarian, did not really uh, have much interest. Is this interesting to you guys, me recapping two conversations that you never listened to and will never be able to listen to? I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Without further ado, Next week, we'll be back with a stadium uh, series where we actually do have Anthony and I's thoughts on the next ballpark that uh, we will be unveiling. And then uh, we've got some really, really awesome, great guests that we uh, have recorded and we will be releasing them over the next coming week and couple months. And so, yeah, it's going to be a fun baseball season. So with that, we're going to uh, lead you into the rounding third episode of uh, this podcast. Sorry once again, folks, for uh, you guys missing out on Anthony's dulcet tones for this episode, but he'll be back next week. So we'll see you next time here in the clubhouse. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with American author and former editor-in-chief of Salon.com, Joan Walsh. In this clip, Joan shares with us her interactions with Barry Bonds during her days as a reporter in San Francisco. So one thing to say is that I never, (laughs) I never approached him as a reporter. When I was doing the book, I was told, don't even try to talk to Barry. Sure. And so I didn't, but I talked to Barry in the sense that I saw him taping his fingers once and he was just like in so much pain. And he was like, I'm, I'm in pain every day. Don't you understand? But in a nice way, don't you understand that? And then he was really nice to my daughter because she was around all the time. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jain. Today's episode, Rangers Ballpark in Arlington, the home of the Texas Rangers. Today was a scorcher. I guess the baseball gods heard me complaining about the roof in Miami and Houston and Tampa and decided to test me and see what I was really made of because it hit triple digits today in Texas and there was not a air conditioner to be found or a roof over my head. I sat in the hot, hot sun baking in 100 degree weather, which the thermometer said 100, but I'd be shocked if it was under 105, 110. But guess what? I didn't melt. I didn't burn. I was a little uncomfortable. I was really sweaty. But I went and I bought myself a little mini ice cream helmet. I filled my water bottle. I took that ice cold water and I poured it into my hat, threw it on my head. The water trickled down the back of my neck and it felt refreshing and cool. And I watched a baseball game and I had a wonderful time. So guess what, baseball gods? Keep throwing it at me. I can handle it. I love me some baseball. And I absolutely adore watching baseball when it's hot out. So before we get into anything else, I just want to go ahead and thank the Rangers organization for not bowing to what I assume would be some sort of public outcry to put a roof over that stadium. We don't need retractable roofs. Baseball is meant to be played outdoors. 
Good work, Texas. Now, a little bit later on in this episode, I'm going to play you guys an interview that I did with a 10-year-old girl named Lainey, who is just, I think it might be the most adorable interview I've ever done. I have very little to do with it. This girl was incredibly inspiring to me. Uh, I actually met her on the uh, tour. I did a tour of the stadium, which is uh, one of the first times I've done that so far. Uh, I, I did one in Houston, and now I did one here in Dallas. And I think I might start doing more of these as the uh, tour continues. But back to this little girl named Lainey. Lainey was there with her mother and her grandmother. And uh, her mother was telling me that all of Lainey's school projects are written on the Texas Rangers. Lainey, her grandmother, and her mother go to Rangers games together every year. And it absolutely just warmed my heart. As I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast and on the website, um, one of the things that I'm desperately trying to figure out is how to get more women involved in baseball. Uh, as I've told you, the father and son motif has been done to death. You know, I've, look, let's face it, I, I came to the game because of my father. I went to games with my father, and you listening here, if you're a boy, chances are you go to games with your father. Where are all the women at? Where are the ladies at? Where are the women that want to come to the games with their fathers or their mothers or their grandmothers or their great-grandmothers or just by themselves? Well, I found three of them, and you'll be able to hear my chat with Lanny towards the end of this episode. Uh, but for now, I'm going to give you just a very, very brief history of the Texas Rangers and the stadium that they call home. Uh, the Rangers actually came into existence in 1972. Uh, before that, they were the Washington Senators from 1961 to 1972. And before that, they did not exist. Uh, so in 1972, they actually played their games at a place called Turnpike Stadium, which was a former minor league park that they had converted into a major league park. So essentially what they did was they took a 10,000-seat stadium and put about 25,000 more seats around the grandstands and around the field to make it into a uh, major league park. Uh, now, after playing for a couple of decades at Turnpike Stadium, also known as Arlington Stadium, uh, it was time for the Texas Rangers to move on and get into a nice, pretty new ballpark. So in 1994, they built the ballpark in Arlington. Now, I haven't really talked too much about my thoughts on uh, the naming rights of, of these modern stadiums and corporate tie-ins and, and whatnot. Um, I think sometimes it can be done well and sometimes it can be a little bit awkward. Now, when it comes to the history of the Texas Rangers ballparks naming rights, they initially were called the Ballpark in Arlington. That's it, just nice and simple, the Ballpark in Arlington. And then there was a brief time from 2004 to 2006 where their naming rights were sold to AmeriQuest uh, Mortgage Company. So they were known as the AmeriQuest Field in Arlington. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing AmeriQuest. I honestly have no idea how to say that. So if it's AmeriQuest, AmeriQuest, I have absolutely no idea how to say that word. But that is all irrelevant because now it is simply known as Rangers Ballpark in Arlington. So they essentially lopped off the the and replaced it with the Rangers, which I kind of like. I've always been a big fan of including the team name in the stadium name. I think if I really had to make a call on this, I would say I would prefer the team name in the stadium name, maybe, maybe the owner's name. That can sometimes sound, I mean, look, we all love Wrigley Field, just rolls off the tongue. But that might be just because I'm used to it. You know, it's been around for so long that I bet you there's a lot of people that don't even associate Wrigley with the Wrigley family. 
Um, they just may think that it's just the name of the park. But I don't know. I think Rangers Ballpark in Arlington, the only thing that I would do for that is I would lop off the in Arlington. That just that's a, that's a little bit of a mouthful and it can get a little bit convoluted when you're trying to, you know, tell people, "Oh, so where are you going tonight?" "Oh, I'm going to Rangers Ballpark in Arlington." Rangers Stadium or Rangers Ballpark even. That would probably sound a little bit cleaner. But I'm rambling now. So, we're going to go ahead and move on and I'm going to talk about the big thing that I would assume most people know about the Texas Rangers and it's the Everything's bigger in Texas motif that they really embrace uh, here at the ballpark. Um, they have this thing and it's called the boomstick. And I call it a thing because that's what it is. You know, I could say they have this hot dog or they have this food item, but it's, it's too big for that. It's just simply a thing. It's a two foot long, two foot long hot dog. I want to make sure you got that. Just to give you a little bit of context, I am a five foot six human male. And what they are selling at this ballpark is a two foot long hot dog that is nearly half the size of my body. And that's not all. On that hot dog, they put chili, they put nacho cheese, they put onions, they put jalapenos, they put just, they put everything on there that you can find. I think they had said that it was something around three, three and a half pounds, okay, for $26. And I saw grown men eating the boomstick completely by themselves. You would think, oh, this should feed a family of 12. But no, it fed one other human male. I'm not quite sure if we're the same species, but I cannot come anywhere close to even, I couldn't even take a bite of it. You know, I'm sorry to let you guys down. I know part of this tour for me is I need to go and I need to try and eat something special and unique at each ballpark. And, you know, it doesn't get any more special or unique than the boomstick. Uh, But I just, I couldn't do it. I mean, I wandered over to the uh, Nolan Ryan uh, food stand over there and, and I just bought a simple hamburger, I thought. And that thing was almost a pound and a half of meat. You know, that thing was massive, almost the size of my head. So... They really do embrace the everything's bigger in Texas. And and I got to say, to watch someone else eat it is actually kind of a lot of fun. To eat it yourself, I, I just don't know. I mean, um, as for some of you who, who've been following me along on the website, you may have heard this already, but, um, you know, I lost 45 pounds to do this tour. You know, I, I dropped 45 pounds in four months in preparation for essentially, you know, sitting and driving and eating ballpark food. But there's zero chance that I was going to be able to justify eating a three, three and a half pound meal and uh, being able to sit then in that hot sun, you know, and bake after eating three and a half pounds of food and basically just turn into a big incubator. Now that I think about it, I probably would have just given birth to just a, a slew of mini hot dogs if I ate that three and a half pound monstrosity. Uh, but you know what? It's it's fun, and it's it's part of the experience to watch and just kind of uh, people watch. And and I actually stood outside the the stand there for a couple of minutes and just watched. I mean, there was a big line. I, I saw at least five or six people in in the span of I'd say fifteen minutes order themselves a boomstick, and and you know I I didn't see a big group of people with them, and so I can only assume that they were doing that for themselves. Um. So good on you, Texas. You've so far 
given me the most unique experience as far as people watching is concerned. And I wish I had, you know, another hundred pounds on me because I'm sure I would have tried that boomstick, but I'm just a little fella. I cannot handle that. After I uh, ate my burger, I started walking around a little bit. And one of the first things that really jumped out to me, you know, it's something that obviously I've seen all these stadiums on TV plenty of times, but when you see it live in person, it is, you're not fully prepared for how it's going to affect you. And, you know, I am uh, a Detroit Tigers fan and I grew up, my home ballpark was always Tiger Stadium in, in Detroit, not Comerica Park, but Tiger Stadium. Um, and the one thing obviously that I loved about Tiger Stadium and the place that I used to sit quite often was the right field home run porch that uh, hung over the actual field itself. And one of the first things that I noticed when I walked into the ballpark here in Arlington was that they have um, paid homage to my beloved Tiger Stadium. And there is the right field porch that is a double deck decker uh, bleachers with an overhang that basically looks very, very similar to the right field porch in Tiger Stadium. And you know, when I saw that, I was not prepared for how kind of emotional I got. All of a sudden, that moment, I was teleported back to the 1980s, you know, when I was a kid and going to games at Tiger Stadium and sitting in those right field bleachers and watching guys like Cecil Fielder and Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker and just seeing my heroes and all of that I was able to experience in that one moment where I got to see the right field bleachers once again here in Texas. Um, so I got to thank the Texas Trainers organization for including that in their architectural design. And it just looks pretty more than anything. You know, it, it really looks uh, from, especially behind home plate, it just, it fits, it feels quintessentially baseball to me. You know, and then actually when you move a little bit to the left and you look into straightaway center field uh, where the batter's eye normally is, they have the big um, kind of grassy knoll, you know, the, the, the berm there, which is very, very cool. But then right uh, directly above that, they essentially have office buildings. So the juxtaposition of seeing the office buildings in center field, directly below them is the outfield berm, which is basically the batter's eye. And then to the right, you see a throwback to a ballpark from uh, yesteryear. And it is just a combination that, that works perfectly. You know, it's blending the old, the new, and just kind of the pretty. You know, I really, I, I don't know, most stadiums, their batter's eye, and for those of you who don't know what a batter's eye is, a batter's eye is the uh, location directly in straightaway center field. So if you're standing at home plate and you're looking directly uh, forward in center field, most stadiums will basically have either ivy or a black wall or something of a solid color so that when the batter is in the batter's box, he does not have anything to distract him, basically. So when that white little ball is coming at him 100 miles per hour, he can actually focus on that ball and not get it, have it get lost in a sea of fans or a sea of, of uh, or a white background or something where he wouldn't be able to see the ball. Um, it just helps out the batter a little bit. Um, so here in Texas, they basically have um, uh, carved out uh, the, the area behind center field, and they put a bit of a grassy knoll there which also one of the more unique aspects of watching game here in ball in uh, Texas is that uh, they allow fans who are sitting near that section to jump over that fence and grab a home run ball and then run back to their seats, uh, which is a pretty cool thing 
that once again, this organization does, you know, it's, it's, everyone wants it to be safe. Everybody wants, you know, the fans to have a good time. So the fact that they allow them to jump over there, grab a ball and either throw it back or take home a souvenir. Um, I really enjoy that aspect of the Rangers ballpark in, uh, Arlington. Yeah. That's a clunky name to say. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to call them uh, Rangers ballpark from here on out or, Maybe just the ballpark. You know what? Just go back to the ballpark. I, I kind of like that name, the ballpark. But once again, I digress. Uh, so the stadium itself is is a really unique design. Um, and I went on the tour, as I mentioned earlier, and it's something that I highly recommend everybody else do. If you ever come by to the Rangers ballpark in Arlington or really any ballpark uh, across the country, I really highly recommend doing the tours that they offer. Um, I guess some of them call them the behind the scenes tour, the stadium tour, whatever it is that it's called. Uh, they really do a good job of giving you not only just the history of the team and the stadium itself, but you get to kind of go into the behind the scenes aspect of the stadium that I'm sure you all watch on a daily basis. You know, you get to go into the dugout. You get to go sometimes into the clubhouses. You get to go and check out the media rooms. You get to go and check out the press box. It's it's really quite uh, a fun experience. In addition to learning about the stadium and kind of exploring the bowels of the stadium, and, and actually really one of the most fun parts is seeing the ballpark completely empty. You know, just the peaceful calmness, the serenity of seeing such a massive, massive uh, stadium just eerily quiet, you know, just there's no, there's no vendors screaming hot dog beer here. There's no fans doing the wave. You know, you don't hear the baseball chatter on the field. It's just, it's just quiet, you know, and, and to sit inside of a ballpark like that and hear nothing is, is I got to say, that's actually might be one of the favorite things that I've done so far is just sitting in a seat and hearing nothing and looking out onto the field and just seeing emptiness. Essentially what I'm saying is if you find yourself near a major league ballpark anytime soon and the team maybe not be in town, drop a couple of bucks and take the stadium tour. It's absolutely worth it. Because in addition to being able to see all this stuff, you get to meet some really cool people. And when I was on this tour, I met these three generations of Texas Rangers fans that I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast. And these three generations were all women, a grandmother and mother and a daughter slash granddaughter named Lainey. Now I talked to Lainey for a couple of minutes and I was pretty impressed at, at the maturity of this 10 year old girl. And I was really impressed by the passion she showed for her Texas Rangers. Her mom was telling me that basically all of her school papers, she writes about the Texas Rangers. She loves watching them on TV. And, you know, I know it can be a little bit intimidating for a little 10-year-old girl to meet a, a grown man who's, you know, essentially a stranger. And we, we became a little bit friendly on the tours. We were chatting, but she doesn't know who I am. But in that moment, she opened up to me and she started talking to me and telling me some awesome stories about what she likes about the Texas Rangers, what she likes about baseball. And it just, oh, it was it was so much fun. You know, I wish I could have talked to her for another seven hours. It was just, she was so much fun to talk to. And unfortunately, we've only got a couple of minutes of that interview that I can share with you. But uh, what I want to do here is I just want to play that for you right now and listen to about four or five minutes of uh, little Lainey here talking about her love of the Texas Rangers. I'm here with, uh, what's your name? Lainey White. Lainey, and how old are you? 10. 
10 years old and I, we just got done doing a tour of the Rangers ballpark here in Arlington and I've been told you're a big, big baseball fan to the point of doing your history report on the history of the Texas Rangers. So tell me, how did you get into baseball in the first place? Well, um, my, my dad has always liked baseball and um, my dad's um, there in their family they like the Cardinals and so we would always watch baseball and so first I watched the um, World Series playoffs in um, 2010 and I saw Michael Young hit a home run and so I said okay he's going to be my favorite player and that's my favorite team. That's awesome. <laughs> very very cool so you moved to Texas you were saying a couple years ago? Um, I didn't move to Texas. I, um, I, we've moved a bunch of places in Arkansas, and I first started um, liking Texas when we moved to Bologna. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. All right. So now you, you learned a little bit about the history of the Texas Rangers for your uh, report there. So what are kind of your favorite moments in Texas Rangers history that you read about? Well, some of my favorites were when... Um, Nolan Ryan, you know how he threw a bunch of those shutout innings and stuff. But my favorite was when um, Michael Young, I think he won the, um, it was something, the Gold Glove Award. Um, he has been my favorite player for a long time. <laughs> that is very, very nice. So, all right, what is, how many times have you been to uh, this ballpark here? Um, well, I came here in 2000 four times. I've been here once in 2011, two times last year, and then um, I guess today. And we went to a fan fest last year. Sorry, we almost saw an accident right there. Everyone's okay. Last year, I think. Um, yeah, we went there and it was fun. So what has been your favorite moment at Rangers Ballpark? You know, whether it's uh, about on, on the field or having fun in the stand, just what is the one memory that you really take with you about coming to this park? Um, well, I remember once when we were at the Rangers Ballpark when Mike Napoli was with us, and he hit a grand slam in the first inning. That is pretty, pretty exciting. Very, very cool. Now, i got to try and get Mom and Grandma in on this as well because I'm telling you, this is something that – it's very special to me. Seeing a, a mother, a grandmother, and a, a daughter at a ball game is something you don't see very often. You know, you normally see fathers and sons, and you know, you, you hear that over and over again. But you know, you're now the third group of, of uh, mother and daughter. Grandma is the uh, first one for me, though. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing a little bit about what got you into baseball in the first place. Um, I would have to say my children. Um, I really wasn't a big baseball fan, but every night they say, can we eat dinner and watch the Rangers? And so when you watch it, you just have to become a fan. So, No, absolutely. And how about you, Grandma? Baseball began when I was a child. My dad was a big Cardinals fan. Dizzy Dean, uh, he grew up with him. So it goes many generations back. That is wonderful. And then just very briefly, and I'll let you guys go, can you just tell me individually your favorite moments inside of a ballpark? Well, Lainey stole mine. I was going to say <laughs> when uh, Mike Napoli hit the home run as well. It was just, that was exciting for them to be able to see that. Sure. Okay. And how about you? Baseball is America's favorite pastime. And the most exciting thing for me was when I brought my son, her dad, 
and her husband to a ball game to just to watch his face and to see it light up, to experience um, a family together enjoying a sport. That is absolutely beautiful. So uh, real quick, I just want to get uh, your name and your name real quickly on the, on the uh, show. Uh, Beth White. Beth White and? Mona White. And Mona White. Thank you, ladies, so much. This has really been a special uh, experience for me. So I really appreciate you guys talking to me. And we're back. Now, if you didn't listen to that little five-minute interview with a giant smile on your face, I'm not sure if you actually have a heart. Um, That little girl was so inspiring. You know, when I saw the look on her face, when I talked Rangers baseball with her, it just, it was amazing. I'm telling you, it was so cool. It was so cool to see how excited she was getting and how much she knew about it. And, you know, she was a little bit nervous to talk on the mic. But once the mics were off, you know, she was just going on about how much she loves the Rangers, you know. And and at the end of the interview there, uh, I spoke to Lainey's mom and her grandma. And you could hear her grandma talking a little bit about how she was able to, you know, essentially her love of the game came through the love of watching her family watch the game. You know, and the same thing with Lainey's mom as well, you know. That's how they came to the game. They came by experiencing it through somebody else's eyes. You know, I, I don't have kids right now. And when I talk to friends of mine who do have kids, and I talk to their kids actually, it's, it's hard to relate, obviously, you know, I try very hard and I, and I love kids and I love playing with them. But if you talk movies with them or if you talk music with them, you know, if you talk really anything about what's going on in their lives, there's obviously that huge generational divide. And in order to relate to kids, you basically have to talk about the things that they're into. You know, you got to talk about whatever uh, animated movie they're listening to or whatever Radio Disney that they're into at that moment. And it's something that obviously is not really a part of my life. But right here in this moment, this 10-year-old girl was talking to me, a 29-year-old man, and we were on equal footing. You know, she was telling me some awesome stories about Michael Young and about the Rangers and about her experience coming to the ballpark or even just her watching the games on TV. We were bonding over the game of baseball. You know, the same things that I go through in my life, she's gone through in her life, and she's 10 and I'm 29. You know? I bet you if I went and I started talking to her about, you know, whatever concert she's been to or whatever movie she's been to, at that point, neither one of us would really have any interest in in pursuing that conversation. But in that moment, we were the same. And I talked to her mom and I talked to her grandmother and, you know, talked to them about how they feel so unbelievably connected, you know, and you can just see it. You can see how connected they all are through the game of baseball. Um, So, yeah. If you didn't enjoy that interview, then I'm just going to go ahead and tell you to turn this off right now and and just stop listening because it doesn't get any better than that. Um, That was really a lot of fun. And I got to thank Lainey and her mom and grandma for chatting with me there for a couple of minutes because that was just, you know, stuff like that is what makes the long rides on the road, you know, that I'm doing here, the 10, 12, 13 hour drives. Talking to people like that is what makes it all worth it. You know, I know that whatever city I go to next, I'm going to meet some really special people and they're going to tell me something that is just, you know, going to inspire me to keep moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, boo to that transition, it is time for me to move on from the Lone Star State. My brief time in Texas has come to a close as I continue to move out west and uh, head to the Colorado Rockies. And uh, obviously I want to thank all of you once again for uh, listening to this podcast. 
Uh, if you got any questions, please go ahead and email me at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. That's all spelled out, roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go ahead and check out the website, roundingthird.net. Uh, and follow me at Twitter. Um, I am at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. And I think that about wraps up the thank yous and the plugs for today. So join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.